Welcome to the Grassroots Podcast, hosted by GreenIndustryPros.com, where we dive into the root of the trends, business strategies, products, and personalities in the green industry. My name is Ryan Wisner, editor of Green Industry Pros, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about robotic mowers. Over the past few years, the use of robotic mowers has increased amongst consumers and professionals alike. A few months ago, we spoke with Gray's CEO, John Blay, about the development of Gray's first fully autonomous or robotic mower. I recently asked him to join me again on the Grassroots Podcast to share the latest developments of Gray's machine and further Blaze insights on the future of robotic mowers. Let's listen in. Well, John, thanks again for uh, joining us again here on uh, the Grassroots Podcast. Uh, As you just stated uh, shortly ago, we did uh, last week back in September, and so we just kind of wanted to follow up a little bit on some more on the uh, robotic mowers as, uh, as things are moving forward here within the industry. Yes, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me again. And yeah, I, I can't believe how time flies, but a lot has happened since we last, last talked in September. Uh, in fact, just last month, uh, it's official. We're actually a lawn mowing company. We, we mowed lawn for the first time at one of our customers' job sites in Central California. And uh, you know, me and three of our engineers and one of our business managers, uh, we went there and spent three days with them. Uh, we gathered a lot of data and uh, it, it actually performed better than I had anticipated it to. And because it was uh, December, uh, there were a lot of leaves on the ground. Uh, and we specifically went to one area that had a, you know, fairly uh, a good sized slope and a lot of leaves. And as it drove over it, as it mowed over it, it made the leaves virtually disappear. Uh, they mulched them really nicely. And so you right. could see the path, not only where it had been mown, but also that the, the leaves had been mulched and pretty much disappeared as well. And what's interesting is there were a lot of people, you know, on the other side of the street watching what we were doing and, uh, you know, gathered quite a crowd. So, uh, and the other thing that was uh, pretty interesting is when it's just moving, say from the trailer out to the lawn, it's virtually silent. You can't even hear it. But when we start the, uh, the motors and the, uh, the blades running, it almost sounds like a vacuum cleaner. It doesn't have that loud, obnoxious noise that a gas-powered mower has. Sure. So it was, uh, it, I, we still need to test the decibels at 50 feet and uh, you know, do all of that. But, but right off the bat, it, it struck me as something uh, much, much different than what we're used to. Oh, I can imagine, for sure. So with, with, that, with that in mind then, uh, I, I'm glad to hear that uh, you've taken that, taken that step because it's, uh, I, I think, uh, based on some of the questions I have for you, and j- certainly based on what you've seen, that this area is certainly growing within the green industry. Um, and more to that effect is uh, with what happened in 2020 with the pandemic and everything, and just the uh, the more desire to have kind of contactless service, so to speak. Was there any more interest in uh, from the contractor side of things in? moving forward in use of robotic mowers that, that you've come across? So I think the, uh, the interest in ro- robotic mowers has less to do with the pandemic and more to do with the fact that everybody knows they're coming. Uh, there, there's other companies working on them. There's some, uh, you know, the smaller residential robotic mowers that are out in the marketplace now. 
but but with or without the pandemic, and I'm glad we've got a vaccine and it's going to be in the rearview mirror, hopefully by uh, summer or certainly later this year. Uh, but people do realize what we're doing and what's happening in the industry. And so there is a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement. And we have uh, both the early adopters, uh, like our R&D partners that have pre-ordered uh, now 265 mowers. And then we've got a lot of people that are very interested in it. And they're saying, well, let me see when I can uh, see a demo or when can I come out and touch it, hear it, feel it. And uh, you know, because of COVID, we've had to do FaceTime demos with various companies, uh, but we haven't, uh, especially our engineers are in Santa Monica, that's where we're developing it. And Los Angeles is still very strictly shut down. Uh, so we did have some people wanted to come out from uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, we had it all set up just a couple of weeks ago, but we said, hey, you know, because of COVID, we're gonna do it remotely. They were fine with that, but I really can't wait until we can, you know, get to conferences, meet people, really show them what we're doing. And that's when it, it's just gonna take off. And especially once we do get our mower out to various distributors and out in the field, uh, people are gonna realize immediately uh, the impact it's gonna have on, on their business and on the industry. Sure, oh, absolutely, absolutely. So in, with, uh, refresh my memory as far as uh, with, with your machine specifically, um, does it, cause like a lot of the smaller ones that are out there, those more residential size, and, and even as uh, some of them are getting bigger and, and that's where the contractors are showing more interest is now they're starting to cover more ground uh, is what, what size property are, are you, is your uh, mower uh, prepared to deal with? And then is, does yours do the elusive uh, stripes that most of the robotic mowers are not doing? Right, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because when I first heard about robotic mowers, it was a spring of 2018. I was at my local uh, lawnmower uh, dealership. I was getting my, my personal lawnmower uh, service for the spring and I saw a sign for robotic mowers. And you know, always looking for a competitive advantage and knowing how expensive labor is, I asked them, you know, what, what's this robotic mower? And, and they told me about it. He said, hey, these are really big in Germany and they're just now starting to take off in America. So I asked them where was a job site I could look at it. I went to a, a high-tech company in Silicon Valley and it was like a Roomba for the lawn. You know, so I could see areas where it got mowed once, twice, three times, but other areas it missed altogether. So it left a triangle of unmown lawn. Right. And I, I just said, and plus it requires a guide wire that you have to put around the perimeter, which I know is also very labor intensive. And whenever you put a wire, you know, a couple inches from the surface of the ground, it gets broken. And then you gotta find out where, where's the break and you gotta fix it. So right then and there, I, I just thought to myself, man, if somebody could come up with a robotic mower that goes in parallel lines, uh, does not require a guide wire and is autonomous and safe and is big enough to do commercial projects, they would have something. Well, I guess I put something into the ether because not long after that, I got in touch with uh, a venture capital firm out of Southern California. And uh, one thing led to another, a year later, I'm the CEO and I've been working on that exact uh, project ever since. Sure, sure, okay. And so, yes, ours will definitely be able to do parallel lines. It'll be able to go north, south, east, west. It'll be able to do cross cut. And because it's really a computer that can mow lawns, 
will even be able to mow patterns in a lawn. So if it's a, uh, a ball field, a major league ball field, we'll be able to mow the logo of that, mo of that uh, ball field out in center field. Okay, okay. Sure. Sure. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure uh, I, I, there's, and that, I, that's been one of the, it seems that's one of the points that the contractors bring up is the, is the lack of striping and, and lack of those parallel lines from some of these, uh, as you put it, the, the Roombas for lawns. Yes. Uh, uh, but uh, so with that, with that in mind, then um, it's, it certainly sounds like uh, your your uh, product would definitely take care of that issue and 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 eliminate eliminate that concern um, from both the clients and and the contractors themselves. So, what is in general though for for your product or even just the robotic mowers in general? I mean, is it feasible for a for a smaller contractor to make use of robotic mowers? So, yes, and, and don't get me wrong, th those smaller robotic mowers with the guide wires that go in uh, random patterns, I, I think those are great for smaller sure. uh, landscape uses, especially residential, yeah. uh, but for a, a larger mowing aspect, that's what we're building it for. And right. so for a smaller landscape contractor, if they have right now a 60-inch mower, then and they're using it, you know, more than three, at least three days a week, you know, maybe more, then our mower would be the right tool for them. Okay. If they've only got 36s and 21 inch mowers uh, because they're doing a lot of smaller jobs, then it doesn't make sense for them to have a 60 inch robotic mower. But if sure. they do have a 60 inch mower or a 72 inch or a 48 inch, then it would make sense for them to go robotic. And if a smaller contractor does that, now they're going to have a competitive advantage over those uh, their competition that don't have robotic mowers. So now they can lower their cost structure to be more competitive and gain market share. So now is now with your product in particular, as far as the robotic mower nature of it is is yours one uh, unlike uh, some of those smaller ones uh, where they're still going to be trailering it from from site to site. So, but they might bring bring your mower up to one site, set that to go while they take their 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 other mower up to another site and do that job on their uh, on on where they're driving the mower themselves. Yes, absolutely. You know, having come from the landscape industry and run a, a landscape maintenance company, I'm thinking of all the different ways we could utilize and deploy these mowers. It could be as much as if you normally have a four man crew. Uh, with two mowers, maybe you have two of our robotic mowers that you deploy on a site with two other laborers to handle all the other tasks, pruning, irrigation, uh, technician, uh, setting the controllers, fertilizing, et cetera, doing the edging, doing the blowing. So you could do that. You could reduce your existing crew sizes and just supplement it with a robotic mower or two. Uh, the other thing a contractor could do is they could have, say, a, a trailers that can mow, they move three or four of these and they'll drop mower, one mower off at job site A while they drop the second mower at job site B and then C and then D. And then when they see that mower A is done, they pick that one up and they go to job site E and it's just kind of a, uh, a leaping frog. And, sure. and, you, and basically that can be done with one person driving their truck with the trailer. While a conventional crew 
of a, a smaller size, you know, comes in behind them with the edging and with the blowing and all the other tasks that the landscape contractor has to do. Sure, sure. But in that, but in any of those scenarios, you're obviously you certainly are going to come on to do the edging and the trimming and those things. But you don't you don't really need somebody to be on site to be watching the mower. So if they drop it off at site B and the crew is just kind of going from site to site as well. So they start at site A, they're at site B, but initially at site B, there's only the just the mower. It can be there by itself doing its thing. It Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It can be dropped off to a job site. It will know when it's in an area that's the perimeters have been set through geofencing and it sure. will know uh, to go ahead and start mowing. It will also be able to send alerts to that account manager or that foreman. Hey, I'm 80% done with this job or I'm 90% done or my battery life, I've got 30% left. Uh, it will also be able to track how many hours has it mowed since its blades were last sharpened. So okay. it will be able to do what it needs to do on a job site without a person actually there, but it will be able to communicate uh, on the user interface. Okay. And and from a battery perspective, then is uh, what's does the do do uh, your mowers. Are they going to last through a course of a day? So would they be able to get through a couple of sites a day or something? Or absolutely. So right now we're looking at uh, you know up to seven hours per day, uh, but it's really a, a matter of how many kilowatt hours batteries. So we're, we're even looking at some that are forty kilowatt hours that'll last you know more than nine hours. But uh, the, the way I look at it is for a conventional landscape company, it's going from their yard to job site A, to job site B, to job site C, and then back to the yard. So you have a lot of what we call windshield time when it's not operating, when it's being transported uh, from yard to job to job and back to the yard. So in my mind, seven hours uh, is sufficient uh, for those projects where maybe it's left on site, say a golf course or a university, uh, you know, then they might wanna go with the uh, 40 kilowatt hours where it's running, uh, you know, longer than eight hours. Sure. Okay. So one of the things with the robotic mowers certainly is that it helps address one of the biggest things in the green industry, which is uh, obviously the labor issue. For for the contractors, this certainly does look like a good thing. For the crew members, do they look at it as well? This is going to cut jobs at that particular company. So it's interesting you mentioned that. And that's, that is one of the questions that comes up quite a bit. Well, aren't you displacing jobs? And the, the way I look at it is, is like you say, there's, there is a labor shortage in the landscape industry. Uh, there, there's many companies that are relying on, on H2B visas, bringing in seasonal workers from outside the country. And if a company uh, doesn't get that lottery system, well, th then not only can they not fulfill their contracts, they can't grow their company. So they have to scramble to try to hire people away from other companies, uh, which just becomes a vicious cycle. But the way I see it, uh, because lawn mowing is very much a commodity uh, entity in the business, you can basically hire just about anybody, train them up on how to push a mower, how to ride on a mower, and, uh, you know, but it's more difficult to, to train them the safety elements of it. But if we can take that laborer that's otherwise riding a mower or pushing a mower 
And now we can train them up to do uh, become an irrigation technician or learn how to apply fertilizer or how to truly prune uh, shrubs and hand prune them like roses should be rather than just with a hedger. Well, now you're bringing more value to that landscape contractor who's ultimately able to charge more to their customer, which means that that, that laborer that's been mowing lawns for the past several years is now gonna be able to be trained up and earn more of a living wage and even higher wages, you know, above 15, 18, $20 an hour. So I think what it's doing is it's, it's allowing the laborers in the landscape industry to become better trained and therefore better paid. Do you think they'll, it'll take some time for the, for those laborers to, to see it that way? I mean, I, like you said, it's, it's clear the contractors are already looking at the robotic mowers and saying, okay, yeah, we know this is coming. We're, we're interested. It's just a matter of, you know, the, the right technology being there, you know, in terms of no, no guide wires and being big enough to take on some of the bigger properties. But is the labor force also going to be looking at it and going, oh, well, this provides an opportunity for me to learn how to do X or Y and get, get paid more? Or is that more the job of the contractor to start selling it that way to them? You know, I, I don't even think it needs to be sold to them. When I have talked to, uh, you know, people at my old company that are out in the field and I'm telling them what they're doing, they're very interested in it. They're, they want to know more. They want to know when it's coming out. When we did deploy this to a job site in Central California last month, everybody, all of, you know, the account manager was very excited. All the crew members were very excited. It was like, it was like the new toy. And the other thing is because there's such a labor shortage, you know, that, uh, that account was down a couple of men. And so that just meant that the other remaining laborers had to make up for those missing people. So it, you're usually running short on the labor you need. So if you've got something that can do what most all jobs have, which are lawns to be mowed, now that frees up the laborers that are there to do the other tasks that need to be done. So I, I actually haven't seen any laborer or foreman or account manager think that, oh, this is going to displace my job. This isn't a good thing, which, which is interesting to me because people that write on mowers, they're, uh, they're very interested in what we're doing. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Well, in, in general with, with the robotic mowers, then, I mean, I, like, as you've said, uh, certainly there is some interest in, as it goes forward how long do you think it's going to take to where it's where it really kind of catches on uh, more so uh, amongst the contractors to really start utilizing them? And I mean, I, I've uh, talked to a few companies that are uh, franchising uh, the, the use of the mowers already at this point and, and starting into that. So how much how much further do you do you think we need to go where it's really going to become uh, almost the norm where you see a lot a lot more of the robotic mowers out there? Yeah, so I think it's going to come like a tidal wave once, you know, and, and we're looking at uh, releasing ours in June of this year in what we call a bulk mowing. So it will get within a couple of feet of the perimeter, maybe six feet of the perimeter and do the bulk of the area while we finish up the software to get precision engineering, precision perimeters, which will get it within a couple of inches. So our plan is by November to have a fully functional 60 inch electric mower that's autonomous and safe. So as we release that towards the end of this year, and as other companies release their versions of robotic uh, autonomous mowers, 
uh, you're going to see a lot of companies start buying these, replacing their fleet of gas-powered, uh, manually-operated mowers. Uh, I remember when I took over at Jensen Landscape, and we had always bought backhoes to do construction. And one of our foremen came to me and said, hey, John, you know, we ought to look at getting a mini excavator. So we tried it out, compared it to a backhoe, and boom, right then and there, we, we, we never bought backhoes again. We always used mini excavators because of how much value they brought to our uh, and versatility to our construction crews. Sure. I think the same thing's going to happen with robotic mowers. Uh, it's really just going to be a matter of time before people see uh, those companies that are using robotic mowers and how much it's reducing their cost and uh, they, they're going to have a competitive advantage. So if you're not doing what they're doing, you're going to be kind of left without a lot of jobs left. And so I really do think that, uh, you know, come 2022, when these, uh, these mowers become really prevalent in the industry, uh, it, it's not going to be a hard sell. It's going to be more get your orders in so you can get it in eight weeks rather than 12 weeks. Sure. Okay. So with, with that said, then, I mean, do you, is the use of the robotic mowers, I mean, you were, you were referencing uh, the, the switch to the mini X over the backhoes. So yeah. uh, when, when you add in the, the robotic mowers and so it helps, it helps that adjustment with the labor concerns and stuff. Cause obviously mowing is, as you say, one of the primary things when you're on the maintenance side, but it's also not necessarily the moneymaker for any landscaper. The moneymaker is more on that design and install side or the construction side. So is, is the use of the robotic mowers really kind of help open that up a little bit more so you can seg more into either, either that side or even into other areas that you may not be into, irrigation or, or tree service or whatever? Well, I think there's, there's still a lot of money to be made in landscape maintenance. And uh, but by taking away the kind of commodity aspect of it, which is mowing, now it frees you up to do more uh, irrigation repair, uh, fertilization, uh, something that most lawns need that uh, don't get it is aeration. And so that's uh, one of the products that we're going to be working on as well as an aerator so that the customers that already have their lawn memorized the perimeters. Now you put on a different attachment and now you can aerate it in the spring and in the fall. And that's additional money to what most companies are just getting for the mowing. Sure. So the other thing is from a landscape maintenance perspective, I think it becomes a great selling point to their end users that this is also environmentally friendly because it's electric and not gas powered. There's zero emissions. It mulches the grass clippings and puts it back into the lawn, which puts micronutrients back into the lawn, rather than back, you know, bagging the clippings, putting them in a vehicle, transporting back to your yard where it's picked up to go to a landfill. So uh, very environmentally friendly that you can now sell to your customers. And even if you don't have to sell to your customers, there's a lot of end users in cities that are requiring more and more electric equipment. In fact, there, there's some that, re, that absolutely require it. And we're, I think we're going to see more and more of that in the coming years. And, and speak, speaking of that, just with the electric equipment and some of them, uh, as you were saying earlier, you, you're still uh, looking into testing the decibel level and stuff. I mean, there's some that, that it's just even at that sound level, let alone requiring uh, the electric. So, and it sounds like you were saying that certainly your mower would, would should be uh, able to meet those levels if it's at, at the sound of a vacuum cleaner. 
Yes, and and that's why you know just just hearing it, it was like, whoa, this is totally different. And so you know, I guess part of our marketing to put the uh, message out there, we're going to do decimal tests at fifty feet away from our mower when it's running and a uh, gas-powered sixty-inch mower when it's running. And I just want to know what what are the facts and present that accordingly. Now you can have similar decibels, but depending on the harmonics of the the tonality. It, it may sound totally different. So it could be, sure. even at the same decibel, it's less obnoxious to the human ear. So I just want to get as much data as I can so we can uh, present that. And I, I think the best way to present it is since everything's on Zoom or everything's on YouTube videos is actually uh, do a demo, you know, where they can hear the sound of a gas powered mower versus an electric mower when it's running sure. and let sure. them be the judge. Hey, and the other thing, not only from a labor savings, but also from a safety standpoint, it, it not only takes a lot of time uh, to train people on the safety of operating equipment, but you know, about 70 people die every year in the United States from lawn mowing accidents. Either they, uh, they roll over and get crushed or they'll roll or slide into a pond where they'll drown. So the other thing is robots, they don't get hurt and they certainly don't die which means you're not paying for the workers' comp insurance and you're not uh, you know, paying people not to go to work, which is, uh, can be devastating for a person and their family. So uh, you know, I, I was in charge of safety uh, for several years and uh, I've seen no matter how much you try to teach somebody how to do it safely, uh, we would still see uh, the laborers out in the field without turning on the mower using their hands to pull out the grass clippings to put them in the bag and you know they're just inches away from uh losing a finger or two mm. it's just really sad and so that's that's another big part of having uh, robotics is uh, they're safe and it allows the laborers to be trained up to do less dangerous work so playing playing off the safety issue to some extent uh with the robot with the robotic mowers is what about uh, when there is obstacles? I mean, uh, I mean, it's one thing to be able to program in, okay, there, there's a tree, I'm going around the tree, but the tree sometimes drops branches uh, on the property or something. So what, in, in your case, what does your, your mower specifically do uh, in that instance? Right, so uh, we're able to navigate our perimeters, uh, the, the exterior perimeter, the interior perimeters through GPS, LIDAR, but we also have a series of sensors, uh, just like you might see in the, the back of your car when you're backing up, it will sound an alarm and in some vehicles it will just stop. So that's exactly what ours is doing. If, uh, if, if you're mowing a lawn and you're, you're going back and forth and all of a sudden you get to an area where a branch has fallen, it's gonna get up to within so many feet of that branch, it's gonna identify it as something that's not supposed to be there, that is not lawn, and it will make a determination. It will be able to sense around it, you know, is it like the size of a ball or is it a log? And it will then determine, it will either mow around it and then continue on it. It can send a, a pin back to the operator that, okay, at this location, there's a log, come here with your chainsaws or whatever and get it out of here. And somebody needs to come and clean up where it didn't get mowed. Or uh, it might be a person's walking by 
and it will sense a person, you know, coming into its vision right in front of it. It will stop until that obstruction goes away, and then it will continue mowing. But it will not, uh, you know, it, it won't like the uh, the kind of Roomba mowers. It won't bump into that log and then kind of wonder what to do and go in a different direction. It will sense that log before it gets to it and make a determination. Is this a permanent structure that I need to mow around? Or is it a temporary obstacle that I've seen come into uh, my field of view? Okay. And, and is it under a specific scenario that it would actually uh, ping the operator then to, uh, to notify them of some sort of obstruction? So if it's not gonna mow an area, it, and the alerts can be set by the company and by the operator as to what do they want alerts for. Mm -hmm. So maybe they want to be alerted when they're 90% done with the job or when there's 20% of the battery left. Maybe they want to know whenever it is seeing any kind of obstruction, you know, whether it's a ball or a person or a branch, or maybe they only want to be pinged when there's some immovable object that it has to mow around. So that way they know the GPS coordinates so they'll know what job to go back to and where it's located and they need to remove that obstacle. But uh, they'll, they'll be able to set how much alerts they get. Okay. okay. And what type of alerts. Sure, sure. Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that certainly makes sense that it's, that, that would be uh, adjustable like that then. So, I mean, it's, um, from an, from another perspective, then in terms of the robotic mowers, another another piece that seems to be uh, pretty beneficial is that their uh, the maintenance is generally uh, considerably less than a than your uh, average uh, zero turn. Yes. Um, would would that be the the case with your units? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's interesting because a lot of the people I talk to, you know, more and more people are driving electric cars, and I tell them that yes, your maintenance is gonna be le much less than a gas powered mower. You don't have the spark plugs. You don't have all the, you know, all the moving pieces, it's electric. And they say, oh, you don't have to tell me, I've got a Tesla and yeah, I, I never take it into the shop. I just gotta recharge the battery and it's good to go. So it, it's very much the, the same concept, much fewer moving parts. You got your motors, you got your wheels, you got your batteries, you got a lot of wires that connect it all together. Uh, we do have a lot of things that are above and beyond an electric mower, which are the uh, the GPS, the LIDAR, the sensors, which are required for the autonomous. So if something does go wrong from a, a software standpoint, uh, that's why we've got operators standing by that they can connect to that mower just like your IT person can, can get control of your laptop and fix your laptop remotely. So we'll be able to see what's going on with that mower if there is any kind of software glitch or if something's acting up and we'll be able to fix it remotely. But if it is uh, hardware related, a, a wheel comes off or a, a motor uh, seizes, then yes, that will need to be repaired uh, probably at your local uh, mower shop or uh, most landscape companies have their own mechanics or foremen that will be able to take care of it. Sure. Okay. But yeah, much much less maintenance with an electric uh, piece of equipment. Oh, absolutely, for sure. No, it's uh, it, it it's less maintenance, and and uh, and we've already discussed the the labor side of things as well. So, um, yeah. But and also because it's electric, uh, there's there's a savings of electricity versus gasoline. 
And it's probably depending on, you know, where you live in the country and the, the rates of gas and electricity, probably a three to $4,000 a year savings. So with that in mind, uh, any final thoughts uh, from you just uh, going forward as far as looking ahead? Uh, I mean, like you said, you're, you're anticipating by 2022 where uh, it's, uh, it's really going to be to a point where contractors are saying, hey, get, uh, get my, here, here's my order. I want my mower by this time instead of this time. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, my, my, uh, my, my closing thoughts are, you know, for all those contractors out there listening, just really keep aware of what's happening with robotic mowers, uh, with robotics in general. And, uh, you know, feel free to follow us at our website, grazemowing.com. And, uh, you know, because, you know, we, we're faced with competition as well, as are you. So we want to bring uh, the best robotic lawnmower to the market. And we also want to be first. Uh, but most importantly, it's got to be safe. So thank you for listening and uh, follow us uh, going forward. Well, that's it for this edition of the Grassroots Podcast. Thanks again to John Blay of Grays for taking the time to talk with us today. And remember to tune in bi-weekly for another Fresh Cut episode of the Grassroots Podcast by GreenIndustryPros.com. Thank you.